and welcome to Stationary Adjacent, a podcast at the intersection of analog and digital productivity. I'm Justin Twyford and joined, as always, by my friend and co-host, Stu Lennon. Hey, Stu, how's Cyprus? And more importantly, how are you feeling today? Well, uh, Cyprus is lovely, um, as it always is, and I'm delighted to report that I'm feeling, well, considerably better now than the last time we spoke, when I was, uh, shall we say, under the weather. Mm-hmm. This is good. This is good. I had to do the edit on that one, and uh, I think I saved the audience from most of the coughs and sniffles, so we're good now. And um, and I just to put the record straight, um, audience, in case you hadn't already guessed, um, Justin has been mentally, not, not physically yet, mentally sending me links for mute switches, which um, I, I'm assuming means that I shall be buying a mute switch quite soon so that I don't uh, cough all over the recording. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Uh, that's fine. That's fine. The main thing is that you're on the mend. Well, indeed. I mean, after after we recorded, because um, uh, we recorded sort of evening my time, I went upstairs to to prepare dinner, and I was due to be playing uh, playing golf uh, the next morning, and I thought, oh, do you know what? I, I better test just in case because uh, most of the people I play golf with are super seniors. Um, I they're getting on a little bit. Um, and one of them particularly is immunocompromised. So I thought, well, you know, it's only polite, Stuart. Uh, and uh, I took a COVID test and a big, fat, sharpie line went, shuff, you're positive, big boy. Um, and, well, that was that. That was me COVID isolation for, well, in theory, five days, but more more like 10 days. Um and for I have to say, for sort of three or four days, I was I was properly not happy. I was definitely under it. Um, I like to tell people I got the Rip Van Winkle variant. So um, the sort of primary thing for me, apart from the cough, which most of you won't have heard, but Justin certainly did, um, I I just wanted to nap all the time. Very very tired. So I would get up, um, have a little sort of stroll around, perhaps take the dogs out of the out out for a, a short walk, and then I'd come home and go for a nap. Then I'd wake up from my nap and uh, think, oh, I might have a shower before my next nap. Um, and that sort of went on for about three days. Um, after which I began to feel considerably better. So, uh, with a little bit of luck, um, it's it's been and gone now. I've got to test again tomorrow just to make sure there's no tiny, tiny, faint line. Um, and I, and the ironic thing about this is that, um, the only vector I have for COVID infection is my wife, um, because she works at a school, um, and I'm sure it's the same way you are, but, uh, COVID sort of rips through the kids really, really quickly, but disappears almost as quickly as it arrives. So they, they sneeze, they cough, shrug their shoulders and they're fine. Um, and that was pretty much how Margaret was. She, she had a very faint line on her test. Um, she, she, the viral load, it would seem was all passed on to me. Um, and because I don't generally go into places where I can come across COVID, it hit me like a cricket bat and put me on my behind, but there you are. I'm all better now. That's good. I, I am curious. How do you test? I, I am like the only person in the world that probably has never had a COVID test because, I just don't go anywhere. Uh, but yeah, I'm just curious. Is that, is that like a, a nose swabby thingy or is that like a spit test or what are you, what are you guys doing for tests nowadays? Yeah, it's a, it's a kind of Q-tip thing. Uh, you ram it up your nose um, and swish it about in all of the uh, surfaces you can find up there. Uh, interestingly, they recommend that you do both nostrils, which is kind of icky, but there you go. Uh, so you, you stick that up there and then you drop it into a tiny little bit of fluid uh, and you sort of you try and squeeze uh, the fluid around the Q-tip so that the fluid gets properly sort of saturates whatever's there. And then you drop a couple of little drops onto a little cartridge. Um, and, well, it's, it's you know, you, you get to pretend it's a pregnancy test, really. It's the same sort of thing, you know, one line, two lines, all that sort of jazz. <laughs> Never done one of those either. So, uh, you know, <laughs> hey, <laughs> I'm doing well over here on the testing thing. Yeah, you're clearly not a tester. Um, we had to do them here in Cyprus. You didn't have any option. You you had to go and get tested. So um, we all got uh, taught how to do it by, 
I had sort of volunteers who, in my experience, were pretty clumsy. I imagine that it must be a really boring job to do, you know, 500 tests a day or something. Um, but they would ram that thing up. I'm like, wow, you've just touched my brain. Um, I'm a little bit more gentle when I do it myself. But um, the the viral load apparently is indicated by the strength of the line. If you have a sort of quite a faint line, it means that you've uh, you've a light viral load. If you get a big thick one, then yeah, watch out. You've probably got quite a lot. Um, and yeah, as I say, mine was like a sharpie line. My my wife's eyes are like saucers. She was like, are you, are you feeling okay? I'm like, well, yeah, I felt better. I'm feeling a bit coldy. I might go and have a nap. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'm convinced that having had every vaccination that was, was offered, uh, I've probably got pretty decent um, sort of practice my body has had in fighting it off. So uh, yeah, all good now. Uh, another box tick. Mm. How are things in Canada? Have you done anything as dramatic as sit at home doing nothing, which is what I've been doing? <laughs> no, no. Uh, we did go out for dinner last night. I was thinking about you. We we went out for dinner in, in a restaurant with people. <gasps> with people, Stu. With people. Um, and yes, nobody was wearing a mask and it was fine. We were sitting at a nice little table by the window overlooking the lake. It was beautiful. But I was thinking about you as I was looking around and seeing that everybody was out there, um, you know, and everybody probably had kids and was sharing all the kid germs. And ugh. Hey, welcome to the real world again. It's, it's been so long since I've been out in it that uh, I, I hardly know what to make of it. All right, Stu, I got a question for you because, um, well, hmm. you seem to have had the probably most productive week that you've had in a while given that you were sleeping most of it. Um, do you have a tool of the week? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, um, uh, constraints is what I've written down, um, by which I mean sort of energy and time constraints. So the COVID that I had, and I think, you know, everybody's mileage varies and I'm aware how lucky I was. I, I just didn't have very much energy. Um, and so th that helps you prioritize. You know, if you think, okay, I've got enough, I've got nothing that's saying to do one hour's work now. You do the most important work. Um, and so, yeah, constraints. Uh, if you've got enough energy for an hour here and there, you think very carefully about how to spend that hour. What about you? What was your tool of the week? Well, it was just uh, a realisation that I had a system. There's one project that I do periodically that involves a, a number of inputs from various sources all of them coming in different times, different sources, different mediums. Um, I get all kinds of information sent to me in all different ways. And one of the things that I hadn't really thought about was uh, just having a little system for collecting and putting that information into one place for a part that when I come to use, when I come to it, I've got all of the pieces there. I had a particularly, this cycle was very complex, lots of moving parts, but I had collected these just into a particular system that I got. Not, nothing special. It's not PKM or anything like that, but it was a reminder to myself just how important it is to build systems because if you don't, you're going to miss something valuable. And, and, you know, especially when you can't control the inputs, having a central place or places or note section, whatever it is that you're, you're using, um, really can make the difference between getting things right and missing something. And so, you know, if, if you do have these tasks in your life, these projects, Look at your systems for them. Reevaluate it and say, are they really working? Um, you know, there's ways to do this that are probably a lot more productive. Most of them, from a company perspective, will mean throwing money at it to, you know, put together a process or a software or something like that. When you don't have that control, it's kind of nice to have your own back-end system that you can keep everything together. Do you have any weird systems like that, Stu, that you use? Um, in the usual sort of, uh, Twyford Lennon synergy. Yeah. I've been, I've been sort of doing similar things. So, um, I probably have an embarrassment of systems and therefore find myself sometimes, um, sort of looking for an answer to a question 
uh, system-wise, oh, how am I going to deal with this? And they go, oh, hang on, I've, I've got something that does that. Um, so around the PKM space, the note space, that's that's one that's, you know, been very sort of a la vogue recently. So, um, you know, Obsidian, do I use it? Oh, no, hang on, I've got something in notes. I've got something here. I've got something there. Um, but, yeah, when I, I've actually been doing some work this week in those sort of spare hours, sort of sitting down, um, saying, okay, how do I want to approach the following sort of tasks? How do I want to manage that? Um, so things that are on my plate at the moment, I have a, an assignment for, for MBA to do. Um, I have a training course to write, a training test to write. I've got to do the answers as well um, for a, a specific client. I have um, some of the book work that I'm doing at the moment. I've got all of those things. I'm thinking, oh, and I was just sitting down saying, okay, so these are the times that I'm available. These are the times that I have energy because I try and balance that with sort of um, uh, my physical goals in terms of exercising and everything. Um, and yeah, I, I do have more systems than I sometimes give myself credit for, I think. And I just need to learn to stop immediately go, oh, I'll, I'll go buy an app. Whereas I've probably already bought the app at least three times. Yeah, that's about it. It's uh, it's funny, especially when you don't have shared applications that uh, you've got to kind of look at whatever's best for you. But I, I like ever, we're, we're on the same wavelength, even if we don't talk. For sure. All right. I know you've been bored at home and writing this week because, well, Stu asked for my uh, address the other day, which I figure means uh -huh. he's, he's found a productive use of, of ink. What have you been writing with this week, Stu? Uh, well, predominantly, because I finished my uh, sort of the custom 823, uh, and so I've swapped that out for um, my Sailor Pro Gear regular, the Sunset Over the Ocean. It's very nice, blue and red. Um, and I've inked it up with Obsidian Ink by uh, Lamy. Um, Obsidian, it's, it's kind of black, really, um, but it's a nice black. It's a rich black. I like it. Uh, so that's been my sort of primary pen this week. What about you? What have you been using? Anything exciting? I've been using... Okay, I'm going to take you back. Do you remember when you were a child? They used to have this thing at school called sports days. Mm. And one of those punishments, because I, I, I'm assuming you're probably as athletic as I am, um, they had this thing called a relay race with a baton. Mm-hmm. And this baton was a was a big metal stick that was, you know, a foot and a half long and, you know, two inches wide. Well, I've been writing with that same thing this week, Stu. I've been writing with a Lamy Dialogue 3, which I don't know if you've ever tried one of these. Nope. Uh, it is only the second time I've ever inked this one up since I bought it. And now I remember why. It is thick. It is heavy. It is stupidly long. It could double as brass knuckles. Um, absolutely crazy just how big this is. Um, but yes, that is what I've been writing with. Um, it's a gold nib lummy, so it actually writes lovely, but it is just huge. Oof. The lummy dialogue, if anybody does not know what this is, it's a straight pen. Um, that is just, well, it's, it's kind of like a cigar, but there's no cigar shape. It's just straight all the way up and down and it has a retractable nib. So you screw the body and a full size nib jets out of it. Uh, the gold nib, as we talked about, not a little, you know, pilot, uh, nib from their little retractable. This is a full size Lamy nib that sticks out of it, which makes this thing really, really long and thick and, uh, back end heavy and oof. so it, it is huge it is huge you if you want self-defense i this is great for me uh because the bears are just waking up around me and this thing will fight them off <laughs> i tell you it's crazy uh, however the ink that i put into there is the mont blanc great characters the beatles um in psychedelic purple which i haven't used before in is actually really lovely 
You're you're a good Mont Blanc fan. Do you like the purple Beatles ink? Have you tried it? Uh, I haven't tried that one, but um, yeah, I do love Mont Blanc ink, and well, it's an interesting sort of pairing there because you've got a beautiful ink and a pen that's that um um special. I, I think rather rather than beautiful, not not beautiful in the classic. All right, it's really ugly. I just clicked on the link. That's horrible. It's it, it's kind of a neat concept. It it's got a little bit of the pilot vanishing point in it. Uh, the pilot vanishing point's big, big, big brother, because it's it's huge and it's got the full size nib on it. But uh-huh. wow, it is it is something else to write with, Stu. I can tell you that. Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to, I mean, in fairness, I dislike the vanishing point as well. So I'm unlikely to like the, the Lamy dialogue or indeed, as I shall always know it, Justin's baton. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure how I ended up with this one. I, I like the concept execution. It's, <laughs> I think it probably involved a website and you pressing the buy button. That's going to be my guess at how you ended up with this. I, again, going. This is a callback to our episode last week. Uh, Justin does not do controlled spending very. Oh, pretty <laughs> interesting. Click. Yes, um, this working from home thing is is dangerous for me because sometimes you see see things and it's just so easy to have it magically appear. You know, there's the, these mystery credits that happen in the air that you never see. They go from, you know, my digital wallet to my real wallet, and that's all replenished by the paycheck, which is all digital. I never see any money. Nothing nothing costs anything anymore, Stu. <laughs> Not like real cash where you actually had to think about, oh, that's that's a big red bill over here that I have to give somebody. No, this is all digital. It's easy to hit the buy button. Buy, buy, buy. All right. Uh, <laughs> we talked about... Boredom a few weeks ago. Our topic for this week is going to be margin. I look at margin slightly different. Margin is the capacity we have quite often in a work role, but not not necessarily. But the capacity we have to take on new things, new demands, new tasks, uh, more important, urgent tasks that come up periodically, again, depending on your role. It's the space that you give yourself. What do you think, Stu? Is that a good definition for margin? <laughs> well, um, to me, it was a very North American definition of margin. Um, oh, because I think it is—I think it is all of those things. Um, but it's also the other things. It's uh, making time for a walk around the block, or to to have a stretch, or to go to the water cooler and and gossip about the boss, or to if you're working from home spend 10 minutes playing with the dog, maybe even meditate. It's it's all of those things that we do around the tasks, the work. Oh, cool. Uh, so I thought of margin as both a time-based and a mental state because it's, as as you said, with your, your time to breathe, it is time, but it is also mental capacity. And that's really sort of, making me think at the moment uh, what the mental capacity is as well. Um, I, I see margin, you know, we we talk about things like block scheduling. Uh, if you block schedule your day completely, anything that comes up that you need to deal with is going to disrupt your day. And is, well, any disruption is likely to create at least some stress, if not a lot. And the idea that margin time and capacity, uh, you've got a priority list of tasks that could be done in case nothing comes up, but building a block of time in for margin for interruptions, I think one could create some space and build some less stress. Um, it's so easy to get caught up in this hyper-scheduling, you know, scheduling the bejesus out of your day. <laughs> you can do this, 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 and this. I, and then it falls apart. And and one of the co- conversations I've had quite frequently with people is the reluctance to do any scheduling because something's going to come up and throw my day off. Mm-hmm. Sure. How, 
how, how do you schedule any margin in? Do you do you have an approach to a workday like that, or to getting things done, or what's your approach to? Um, it it has over time varied. Um, so I started off in retail financial services, so little little glass boxes changing money. That that was that was my uh, sort of first proper job if you like um and then i sort of worked through the ranks of that um but it was a retail operation so we were customer facing and you didn't at that point have i didn't have the ability to say do you know what i'm just gonna schedule 10 minutes to play with my dog because i didn't have a dog and if i did it wouldn't have been in the office um but what we were able to do there was to um you know schedule breaks there were no scheduled breaks but amongst the team we would say okay i'm gonna take lunch at 12 and i'm gonna you know go for a coffee i want to go for a cigarette whatever we could schedule that out broadly so that we could still look after customers but you know still get little breaks um then as i sort of worked through things i i got more autonomy over my time i wasn't customer facing um and so then i was able to to look at um like everyone else i've got a big task list i've got a million and one things that I could do, but at some point I've got to make a decision about what I'm going to do. And that's how I would schedule. Now I've tried hyper-scheduling and I've imposed hyper-scheduling on some staff members. So I've had people working for me who um, have had North American disease and they, they feel desperately uncomfortable unless they're doing something. And so I would watch them. It, it's like watching a burnout in slow motion. You know, somebody just going at it, going at it, going at it. And then by sort of three o'clock, they're a sort of blubbering heap on the desk. Um, and they've, they've worked really, really hard, but they've exhausted themselves. And generally speaking, you can, I found that the sort of work for the last two or three hours was, was of low quality because they were tired. Um, so I think hyper-scheduling is really, really useful if you are one of those people who feels really uncomfortable doing nothing. Because you need to hyper-schedule uh, breaks as well. So you need to say, okay, between 12 and 1, I'm going to have lunch. Now I can hear the North Americans go, <gasps> an hour? Yes, an hour. Oh, still. Actually, you want, you want to do it properly? It should be two. But hey, you know, things like break, rest, recovery are as important, if not more important, than the work. Because if you're not rested, then the work that you do will not be your best. And if I'm paying you, I want your best. I don't want your okay. I want your best. And if that means that you're going to work and then say, Whew, wow, I'm going to go out, get myself some lunch, take a walk around the block, go see the trees, walk down to the river, uh, go to the water cooler, whatever it is that you want to do, that's what I want you to do. And I had to say to people, okay, take some time. Go have some lunch. Ten minutes later, they're back. Okay. <laughs> Good. I'm glad you enjoyed your food. Now go away and come back in 30 minutes. Not before. What do I do? Walk. Go and phone your mother. Do something. Um, and I think it's really, really important. I think we as a sort of culture are terrible at this. So what I do now, obviously I, I work from home. Not obviously. But sorry, I work from home. I, I am my own boss. Um, I try and do as little work as possible, to be honest. Um, and just looking at, you know, how I see the rest of the, of the, the year panning out, particularly because I've got, you know, I had quite a lot of time uh, when I wasn't napping uh, to think about how I want things to work. And uh, to give you an idea of what I'm scheduling in for my work days, I'm going to be scheduling a couple of hours on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday afternoon. And I'm going to be scheduling full mornings on Tuesday and Thursday. That's it. Around that, I'm going to be playing golf. Um, I'm going to be doing sort of, you know, domestic -y type things. I'm going to be chilling out. I'm going to be relaxing. I'm going to be retiring. All of those things. And I'm, I'm essentially building an 18-hour work week, something like that. Now, I completely understand that many, many people will go, well, that's impossible. I can't do that. My boss pays me for 40 and expects 60. Mm. Welcome to North America. Mm, for sure. Um, and 
you know, whilst I can't argue with the numbers, I can tell you that nobody, absolutely nobody works 40 hours a week, 50 hours a week or 60 hours a week. You might be at your desk. You might be stressing and working, but you are not producing productive, good quality output for 40 hours a week. Because if you were, then you, well, there's maybe one or two, Jeff Bezos perhaps. But most people spend most of their day not being very productive. And that is the, the great irony of, of the, what do they call it, the knowledge economy. And that's the great lesson that people have, have taken from COVID. All these people working from home. Sure, they've been available from eight in the morning till eight at night, but they probably haven't been working from eight in the morning till eight at night. Um, and they've, they've really enjoyed the fact that they can get the washing done while they're, while they're working. Because actually, getting up from your desk to go and empty the washing machine, hang it out, you know, that, that doesn't disrupt the day. Not if you're working from home. It's fine. It's easy. And it just improves people's quality of life, which is why nobody wants to go back to the office. Because there is this other way that people are discovering. And I think what scheduling should really be about is saying, okay, what time do I have available to be on top form, to do my best work, whatever your role might be. So Justin might be really, really good at producing uh, reports in the morning, but not so good in the afternoon, or vice versa. I don't know. But he does, and you do. You know when your best work comes. I know when my best work comes. And so trying to put the right th things into the right places, I think is really important. And saying also, okay, I'm going to do an hour of this, and then I'm going to get up. And I'm going to take a break. I'm going to stretch. I'm going to call a friend. Just do something to, to give your mind that little bit of uh, recovery time. I think it's really, really important. And I think we hugely underestimate the impact it has on actual productivity, real productivity in terms of, you know, profitable output. Mm. Very, very true. I'm just thinking, you know, it's tough, especially in North America. We have such a culture. Um, when we're, we're talking about people not being productive, well, that's what Zoom's for, right? And sure. meetings, let's have a meeting if you don't exactly. want to be productive and, yep. you know, somebody who can bring donuts. It's, it's a tough one. Um, but I, I completely agree that, you know, especially for people in an office, it's, it's a tough one, right? People want to see, I'm thinking last week, uh, I was disrupted um, by my boss needing something, you know, another company, you know, mm -hmm. it was a time that I generally have done my day and I sat at my computer because, well, he needed something and, and this stuff does come up and, you know, that made for a long day for me because I start early in the morning. It's okay though. You know, you, you allow for that. You kind of build some margin in some time. Mm -hmm. And you know what, the next day, if I go and do my laundry, it's fine. You know, I, I completely get it. One of the things that's been hitting me about margin though, is the mental side of margin, mm -hmm. the capacity to take on stuff, stress. Um, I was thinking about this. My sister recently had a ice skating accident and broke her wrist. Uh, she's got two young children. Her husband, you know, with, with a toddler and a broken wrist that you cannot lift anything, uh, one has some challenges. Her husband, who, you know, works a lot, uh, is having to do all kinds of extra tasks when he gets home. And I was feeling a lot of sympathy for him because I remember when my wife was going through cancer treatments the additional load that was placed on me that was above and beyond any margin that I had, you know, my, my wife couldn't do anything around the house from, uh, you know, grocery shopping to cooking, to cleaning, to looking after the rest of the family, uh, you know, looking after the dog, looking after the other animals, everything came down to me and that mental side of margin, well, I, Stu knows we, we talked about it. It, it took a, a, a big toll on me. Sure. And we think about margin in terms of time, but we don't necessarily think about it as much in terms of the mental side. How much stress can someone take before they break? 
Mm-hmm. And, and that was kind of the other side of this that I thought, uh, do you have any tips for keeping mentally healthy and building up some margin to take on things that, you know, uh, unfortunately do come up in life, whether it's, uh, you know, a line on a test, a Sharpie on a test to something, you know, as brutal as, uh, you know, been in a cast for six weeks or getting cancer. Um, you know, do you, do you have any suggestions on that? Cause obviously you Europeans take this margin thing a lot more seriously than we do in North America. Uh, well, for sure. I mean, I think, um, I mean, most of this, the thought around margin that I, you know, it's very big in, in North America. Now people are talking about it. Um, uh, the the course that you and I have done about focus with with Sean Blanc talks about margin. Uh, there's a great book called Margin by uh, Richard Swanson. I'm going to say um, it is very very important. And if you if we sort of put the mental s- stuff to one side and just talk about physical, if you want to get fitter and you want to get stronger, what everybody is talking about right now is sleeping. Ooh. You want to get fitter, sleep. Sorry, what? It's that important. It's exactly the same um, with work. And I think there are uh, a lot of tools out there. So ones ones that I use, um, I've got the Apple Watch, um, which does that annoying thing that says, you know, you need to move, you need to get up um, at 10 minutes to the hour. Um, the reason they do that is because actually it's a good idea to get up and move. And uh, having that little prompt there, it can be annoying. It can interfere with what you're trying to do. It can interrupt you, but you need to get into the the habit. You need to get into the practice of saying, okay, for 10 minutes out of this 60, I will be up on my feet and I will be moving and I will take a break. I will take a mental break, give my head a little time off. Um, lunch, we, <laughs> we've touched We've touched upon that. And not everybody can stand up in the middle of the office and say, right, I'm off to lunch. Bye. Um, although you'd be surprised how many of you could do that if you wanted to. But mm. don't eat in front of the screen. Okay. Even if you can't get out of the office, go to the break room or uh, whatever facilities you've got, even turn your chair around. Take a break. Eat mindfully. Enjoy it. Um, if it helps you, think of a character of a French man who taught me all this, who would on the hour at 1230 stew we're going for lunch uh, but no i'm really busy. no 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 we are going for lunch and that that's it he would take me out and we would sit there and i mean he would have four courses uh glass of white burgundy you know this is life this is uh this is what we are here for you gotta you gotta remember that guy when you're thinking about your lunch take some time out um analog the the task system that you and I both sort of use intermittently. Um, I write on analog now, I write the task that I'm going to do. Sometimes I might write two, maybe even three, but no more. I aim really to have one because I think focusing on that most important thing, don't worry about how busy you are. Worry about what is going to move the needle that day. What is the most important task that you have to complete? And then Give yourself 100% of doing that. And then when you finish it, go, right, cool. I have done that. Time for a break. You'll see there's a there's a theme emerging. Go for a stretch. Go for a walk. And then, by all means, come back and think, right, so now what's the most important thing I can do today to move the needle? But one thing at a time. Justin and I have been through this a million times. You don't have your email barking at you. Don't have your email windows open. Don't... Put them away, put them to one side, have a time when you say, right, I'm going to check in with my email, deal with whatever comes up there. And you should have margin in there. You should have something that says, right, I'm going to put this hour aside for all my inboxes, for my email, my Slack, you know, all of that stuff. And you should be aiming to finish it in 30 minutes so that the other 30 minutes you can go and have a glass of white burger. Oh, just go for a walk. I would go for the uh, white burgundy, but, uh, you know, that may just be because somebody knocked on the door yesterday and gave me a case of wine. Uh, one of the local wineries that uh, I'm a wine member of. It's lovely to have wine delivered stew. 
I, I never have yeah. to leave at, between between Amazon and wine delivery. I never have to leave home. Well, for, for UK listeners, um, get, get yourself involved with the Wine Society. Uh, look it up. Become a member immediately. Uh, you can get some fantastic wine at some very good prices. Um, and they do all sorts of courses and stuff. But yes, I agree with you. They they turn up with this amazing wine and say, here you are, this is for you. And it's all paid for by plastic. You've no idea it's even happened. It's all the digital currency, you know, those little bits and bytes that fly around that I don't even know they happen. They just happen in the background. Absolutely. Wine shows up for, for, for free. I don't have to give them any cash. <laughs> there we go. We have reached Nirvana. Um, you know what? Finish time. Uh, this is one that I was really, really bad at. So um, I came up um, in the world of work sort of through the 90s, um, as did Justin. So, uh, yeah, we, we've we played the, oh, yeah, we've got to work late. You've got to be first in the office, last in the office. And then when you leave the office, it's got to be straight to the bar with the guys and, you know, rah, 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 work, work, work. Nonsense. Utter nonsense. If you work in one of my organisations now and you're working late, then you're going to have me in your face saying, why are you here? Because if you're working late, that's not you being dedicated, it's you being disorganised. What is it that you have not done that is forcing you to stay late? Mm. Finish time is finish time. Go home. Now, in some countries, France, for example, they are making this law. And it, there's a, every week now, there's another a fantastic story about a North American boss being sued because he's sending emails after hours. <laughs> you, you are not allowed by law in France to send employees emails after work time and expect them to look at them. And, and that is right. That is correct. It's us us um, Anglo-Saxon Protestants and all the associated North Americans, it's, it's us that's wrong. Because the work that needs to be done is done in the time that you're paid for. I mean, that is the central contract. That is how it works. And the rest time is to rest and to recover. And we shouldn't be working late. Because that impacts your sleep, it impacts your stress levels, uh, it impacts your home life, and it creates all of the things that we look at society now and go, yeah, yeah no, we haven't quite got that right. I mean, how can it be that in 2023, we have people suffering from burnout, from stress-related problems, from overwork, that we have obesity epidemics, that we... How can that be with the knowledge that we have, the resources that we have available to us, and the money swilling about the system? How can that be? It is purely laziness, exploitation, lack of thought, and it needs to stop. And it will. It's absolutely changing. And it will become illegal anywhere. Try and do some work with um, with Scandinavian companies and phone someone on a Saturday. <laughs> just, just, just try it, and they will answer. Them. And they'll be genuinely hurt, upset. They'll be considering whether they're going to sue you or simply resign. Why are you phoning me on a Saturday? Saturday's not yours; it's mine. Go away. It's, it's unthinkable. Um, asking Scandinavian people to do to do overtime they'll look at you and go why well because we need to get this work done well we'll do it tomorrow then and this is why they live longer than us they're healthier than us because that is the correct way to to live and so i have made that a rule for me and for people that work with me at finish time is finish time hmm. can i work for Close you your computer <laughs> of course you can close your work close your <laughs> computers down and go and do other stuff because all the work that you're doing in that extra time is no good anyway. I'm sorry, you're not some sort of superhuman who can work 12 hours a day and then go home and be a mum or a dad or a parent. You can't. It, it's just, it's not possible. And you shouldn't need to. That's why we invented all this technology stuff is so that you don't have to do it. Um, the other sort of thing that I use to maintain margin is that I'm, I, I've worked really hard now to say, right, I'm not working, so what am I doing? Mm. What am I doing? What am I doing to enjoy myself? Am I just relaxing? Am I chilling? Am I going to watch TV? Great, okay. 
Or do I want to do something else? Do I want to go out and exercise? Do I want to go out and see some people, talk to some people, uh, get in touch with some friends or a, a, a hobby? Or I, I try and be focused about not working. <laughs> I know that sounds weird, but um, I think these things are massively important. And when I sort of get involved with clients in, in any way, uh, all of the, the reactions that I'm sure some of the listeners are having, I get face-to-face where they say, well, yeah, my... My my boss doesn't think like that. My, my boss wants me to stay late. Okay, fine. Your boss is wrong. Probably best not to tell them, but you can educate them. And I know the, the best employees that I've had, it never occurred to them to ask me if they could go home. They would just come and tell me. They would just say, okay, everything's cool, sorted. And I go, okay, you, you're good for tomorrow. Yep, everything's in place. Know what I'm doing. I'll see you later. Boom, bang. And those, those are the people that you want working for you, those people that are self-possessed enough to say, I know what I'm trying to do. I know what my output should be. I'm organized. I'm good to go. Not the ones that are sitting there late because they're either sitting there late because they think it impresses you or because they've got some reason they don't want to go home or because they haven't actually done any work during the day. <laughs> or a combination of all three. Oh, indeed, all three. What about you? Do you, do you have any tools? Actually, I, th- I think yours are pretty good. Uh, I was I was thinking, I don't wear my Apple Watch most of the time. I have two Apple Watches and uh, rarely wear them in the office just because I hate the feel of something heavy on my on my wrist. I did actually wear an analog watch last night. We went out to dinner, as I mentioned earlier, uh, and I pulled out an analog watch. Boy, did that feel weird. I haven't worn one of those in a while. Um, lunch, I, I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate I, at the moment, I guess. Uh, my wife is not working, still recovering. She's uh, not quite there yet, but uh, hopefully soon. What I do is I make a time that we sit and have lunch every day. So I'm making this break. Similarly for finish time, you know, there there are times that I need something has come up, you know, but it is the exception rather than the rule. And I think in North America, you can go that way. You can set that finish time. Yes, things do come up. Uh, there is a culture that is a loss, lot less accepting of, hey, I'm done. Don't talk to me till Monday because it's Friday night, Friday afternoon. But the, the fact that you can actually schedule your time if you are present about it, if you are focused enough during the day to get the things that need to be done, done. And hopefully you have somewhere that you enjoy going to after work, you know, whether that's home or, you know, back in the nineties, it would be heading to the bar with a group of friends, right, Stu? Absolutely. Um, and certainly outside of work as well, it, it makes sense, you know, um, be, be determined of what you're going to do. Um, last night, you know, going back to the infamous going out for dinner, um, my wife and I have put in this year two date nights or two dates every month one that she does she organizes one that i organize and they switch from a weeknight to a weekend so one weekend a month we're doing something together that we have planned and made special one weeknight we're doing a date or something that uh, one of us has thought about something that we probably wouldn't normally do because you're right. You get into the, okay, well, what are we going to do? Oh, well, we'll, you know, especially in a small town like ours, we'll order from one of the three restaurants and watch TV, you know, while we're, we're eating there. It's easy to get sucked down that rabbit hole rather than getting into your mind. I'm going to do something positive and productive and mindful, I think is a key word that Stu used. Um, so we're, we're kind of going that way. And I completely agree with Stu that it's something to look forward to. It's something to be present at. It is so easy to get lost in the, the clicking of TV. Oh, I'm going to go from this to this, to this. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm probably a little different than most, but I have a really hard time watching more than an hour of TV in a day. I get antsy. I get uh, restless. I just feel icky about it. Um, you know, so 
that's something that I've conditioned myself to from mm-hmm. making a point not to just sit in front of a TV, even though it would be so easy to do that. Binge watch, binge watch. No. Watch something if you want to do that and then get out and do something good. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I get to bed at a regular time. I've got a routine. I've got uh, my sleep. It's really important to do that. There is, of course, that challenge that you still have to give yourself some time, getting back to the boredom that we talked about a few weeks ago, to allow for things to go wrong, things to come up, whether it's a an in-law's birthday and suddenly you've got to go out for dinner and, well, I hadn't planned on that on a Friday night. Those things do come up. Give yourself some break, uh, some planning really does help for, I want to do this this night, this this night, comes back to Stu's analog card. Yeah, there's ways to do it, but give yourself spaces in there. Don't schedule everything. Give yourself some time just to chill, to relax, to have that meditation, to have a glass of the white burgundy. I think Stu's got it right. The Europeans have it right as Americans. We've got some work to do, I think, over here, Stu. <laughs> well, like, I mean, the, the culture of work um, is... It is the hot button topic at the moment is trying to work out how work works. So should people work from home? Should they be given the option to work from home? Should they go back into the office? What should we be doing in the office? So you've got, you know, the beginnings allegedly of, um, you know, chat GPT and they're going to, they're going to write all the emails. We're not going to have to do that anymore. Um, Machine learning means that more and more tasks are going to be automated. So we're not going to need any Justins to do anything. We're not going to need any Stuarts to do anything. Now, that's all nonsense. However, what we should be doing are those uniquely human things that w- where we can add incredible value to any business. And sitting around checking your email is not adding value to any business. Keeping up with the Slack conversation, going to endless meetings, whether they be on Zoom or in person, that is not adding value to the company. And that's the change that we have to get. And part of that is to move away from, I think we've spoken before about the infinity pools. Mm-hmm. Um, email is just a not very efficient infinity pool. <laughs> um, Netflix, Apple TV, binge watching, it's, it's the exact same behavior that we're learning at work. <laughs> that we're then applying at home, which is okay. Well, I'll just I'll just watch this. I'll just do one more. I'll just do because this you know because I, I want to get to the end. I want to get to the end. People want to get to the end of email. I want to be a Twitter completionist. Why? What? Why do you want to be a completionist of that ever, or of your email? Oh, well, I, you know, lots of people have sent you email. Well, okay, get some tools. Justin and I can advise you on which ones to bring out the 0.1% of emails that are actually useful and important and put them in an inbox and the rest we'll put into different boxes for you. News, newsletters, all that stuff. Just ignore them. There's, there's this, we've created these, um, these sort of false gods of completionism and perfectionism and busy work. And it's all utter nonsense. And if you sit back and think about it, wherever you work in whatever type of environment you work, you can see it. You can say, well, actually none of that matters. No company ever closed down because people didn't check email for a day. So I I think that margin is the first step to being mindful. I think you're absolutely right when you made that connection. It's being mindful about how you use your time, both at work and and elsewhere. That's good, Stu. All right, any takeaways from this? Uh, Simple. Uh, This is one that I, like I said, I was very lucky. I went to work in France when I was 18 years old and uh, Stu. Uh, you work to live. Don't uh, live to work. Love it. And the accent just makes it so much perf- more perfect. Mine is really just a simple thing. Don't try to overschedule your day. It is, you know, if you're listening to us, chances are you're probably using some of the tools that we talk about, and we use them too. Build in allowances for interruptions. Because in business, your boss, your customers, your investors somebody will create some flap, some urgent and essential problems for somebody else that will interrupt your day. If you build in time for that, it's going to make your life a lot less stressful. 
the less stressful you are, the quicker you get out of work on time, the more margin you have to forget work and enjoy your burgundy. Just start by building pauses into your day. Lunch is a good one. All right, Stu, where can people find you on the interwebs? Uh, well, you can find me at stuartlennon.com or at nerosnotes.co.uk. Um, that's kind of it at the moment, to be honest. You can uh, you can drop a, both of us an email at uh, stationaryadjacent at gmail.com. Um, what is that? Yeah, stationaryadjacent at gmail.com. Or you can get me at hello at stuartlennon.com. What about you, Justin? Where can people find you on the interweb? Well, like Stu, I'm not really too active. Uh, easiest place to find me, justintwyfer.com. That's got links to my email and the very rare social that I'm on. Uh, you can also find me YouTube at Beyond Your Front Door. Uh, I'm having fun making videos with my wife. Um, we were talking about that <laughs> the other day. Hmm. Interesting phrasing. <laughs> Stuart. <laughs> Uh, we were talking about it the other day that uh, she really enjoys it as a process because we're building memories. We're not just, mm. we're doing this primar primarily for ourselves and she's really enjoying the process. Uh, you know, it's, it's become sort of a, a fun thing to do as, as people, you know, she will, she can look back at the videos and remember what we did. You know, we've not been doing that for too long, but it's, it's kind of a neat way to document it. Anyway, you can find me there. And you can find me ranting on there too. So <laughs> uh, please like and review us on your podcast catcher of choice. We really do appreciate your recommendations to your friends and colleagues. Our next topic, and this is one Stu's going to ask for some audience participation from. How to write a great dissertation. Um, Cliff notes, I don't have a lot because, well, I did something else for my degree. But we'll talk about that next week. Until then, goodbye and stay productive. Yes, us.